Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? Doing very well. We are recording just days before Thanksgiving. Yes. And yes, we uh, we've already had our Friendsgiving, which was wonderful. Oh, and yes. Delicious. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really nice to get I, together and hang out. I took some leftovers from that, and man, did it hit the spot the next Bro, day. Bro. The turkey was so good. Yes. Shout out to Danny Romero, who's been a guest on the show in the past. Delicious uh, turkey. I did not know that he could cook a bird like that. Yeah, that that surprised me. Uh, when he said that I'm going to make the turkey, I was yeah. like, oh, like oh, okay. it was like with confidence, too. Yeah. So and he, <laughs> he delivered. He delivered. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, so yeah, so this is a big holiday, obviously here in the United States. Um, and what's funny is because I I work for Disney. Yesterday I was at work, and it was really busy because so many people are coming in from out of town, especially mm. yesterday arriving yesterday, and you could tell that the foreigners, a lot of people from out of the United States are kind of confused as to why it's so busy this week. Mm. Like, a lot of, not everybody celebrates Thanksgiving. So, you know, they'll be like, is it always this busy? And it's like, no, you just happen to come during the holiday week. And they're like, oh. And like, or sometimes they'll ask, oh, um, Thanksgiving, right? And I'll be like, yeah. And like, to me, it's so obvious. But, you know, for someone who has no concept of like the whole Thanksgiving thing for them. It's just like, why is there mm-hmm. so many people here? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so that was a little uh, hectic yesterday and I imagine it'll be hectic the rest of this week. I'll try to avoid Disney as much as possible this week. It's going to be hard when I want to go to the movies though. Because it was that very thing. busy when we went to the movies. It yeah. was really busy. The garages were full and, there were people everywhere. I'm talking like, I I don't know why, but it was surprising to me that there would be that many people at Disney Springs the weekend before Thanksgiving. Yeah. It just like didn't occur to me that they would be there. Right. <laughs> it didn't that's occur. not like a regular theater. Right. That we go to. So it blew me. It's still, I, it's still one of the things that I want is an AMC that's not at Disney Springs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Now, shout out to Disney Springs. Like it's it's a good theater. It's been a great theater, but like it's just on this time of year, especially like it's just hectic to get in there. Yeah, you know. So uh, shout out to Disney Springs, though. <laughs> uh, so w- we have a couple things to talk about before we get into our review of the Hunger Games: the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. But before we do anything. If this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe to your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. If you go ahead, if you do like us, that's what I meant to say, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars goes a long way for us. 
Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on X, formerly Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Always Critic Pod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash always critic pod. And shout out to our patrons, Curtis Bale, Cindy CD, Alana, Grace, Lorna, Caitlin, Sammy, Tenmei, Michelle, Adia, and Aaron. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for being supporters of the show. All right, a couple movie things real quick before we get into our review. So number one, uh, this was the second weekend for the Marvels, and boy, was it not good for it. Oh, no. Uh, It had the worst weekend-to-weekend drop of any Marvel movie. I don't know. A 79% drop from last week. And you already know, last week it only made... A $44 million weekend. So basically it barely hit $10 million this weekend. Oh my gosh. Here domestically box office. So yeah, this is going to be a very bad run at the movie theaters for the Marvels. Uh, which I don't think it deserves like this type of, you know, like <laughs> yeah, indifference or anything like that. Uh, shout out, though, to Iman Vellani, uh when, I guess, they asked her about the... Oh, she the defended whole it. Bo- I saw this. Yeah. Yeah, about the whole box office thing. They asked her, I don't want to focus on something that's not even in my control because what's the point? She says about the focus on the box office. That's for Bob Iger. <laughs> that's, that's she said, not-, not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So... Not great for the Marvels, but speaking of Marvel itself, um, big rumor that's going around is that one Pedro Pascal is being rumored to take on the role as Reed Richards for the upcoming Fantastic Four. Now, it hasn't been confirmed, uh, but the rumors are swirling. Um, I know you're not Marvel or anything, but Pedro Pascal, how do you feel about Pedro Pascal in general? I really like him. Me cae bien. Yeah, he's... he's, I have no issues with him. However... Go ahead. I think Pedro Pacal, he has a big, big persona now outside of the films and movies. Films and movies. That's the same thing. Films and shows that he's in. And so he's kind of losing that anonymous edge. Like that Mm. mystery. That mystery. That mystery where you're like able to get lost in whatever he's doing on screen because you're not you're not distracted by oh it's pedro pacal right exactly so him is reed richards i mean i'm sure it'll be fine if it if it happens i'm sure it'll be fine i won't be mad at it but i will be like oh it's pedro pascal right it's pedro pascal being reed richards right um i i think it's kind of a safe choice um, I think that if this is true, obviously, I think this is Marvel just going for someone who we know is very likable, mm-hmm. who kind of tests through the roof with a bunch of demographics, uh, is almost like the Internet's Hispanic boyfriend, mm-hmm. like because like he's the amount of memes and thirst traps that this man is in, like just on videos that people make. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's very likable. I think 
it would be a very safe choice. I would prefer they go in a different direction. But, you know, if if they go with Pedro Pascal, it's fine. It's going to be fine. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. And really, I don't care. So There you go. So uh, that's a little bit of movie news that pretty much happened uh, in the past week. So without further ado, let's go ahead and let's talk about The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. It's such a long title. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, uh, what is this movie about? The IMDb synopsis reads, Coriolanus Snow mentors and develops feelings for the female District 12 tribute during the 10th annual Hunger Games. All right. Now, this movie is directed by Francis Lawrence. He did direct a couple of the other movies in the franchise. Oh, yeah. uh, in particular, Catching Fire, Mockingjay 1 and 2. He also has directed I Am Legend, Water for Elephants, and Red Sparrow. Uh, now, this movie is written by uh, Michael Leslie, Michael Arndt, and it's based off of the book by Suzanne Collins. Oh, she's credited. And she's as credited a as a screenwriter yeah. as well. Uh, the movie, it starts Rachel Zegler, Tom Blythe, Viola Davis, uh, Hunter Schaefer, Peter Dinklage, Jason Schwartzman, and Josh Andres Rivera. Now, how did this movie do with box office and with the critics, Jessica? It made $44 million domestic. Yep, 44 made $98.5 million globally. So a little bit on par with the Marvels from last week. Yes, a uh, little bit on par. This happens to be the lowest opening of the franchise. Uh, no movie in the franchise had opened to less than a hundred million domestically. Mm. So um, we'll talk about what could have caused that in a little bit. Um, and then critics themselves not exactly thrilled with the movie. You'll see it with the sixty-two percent in the critic score. Uh, 91% audience score, so audiences did like it and enjoy it. Uh, the critics' consensus reads as, An outstanding cast and exciting story helped make The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, a worthy return to Pan Am in spite of a rushed and somewhat frustrating ending. Alright, Jessica, what were your thoughts on Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes? I really liked it. I thought it was excellent in a lot of ways, and I loved the world building. I loved taking a look at Panem, um, like sixty years before the events of the Hunger Games with Katniss Everdeen and her story. I loved seeing um, just a whole new cast of characters, and I thought the acting was pretty good. I th I have my nitpicks. Like I'm not gonna say it's a perfect movie. I do have like my little things here and there. I understand it's the ballad of songbirds and snakes. Mm -hmm. Let me just say, I was cringing through half the songs. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I was cringing through half the song. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm a lover of musicals. I enjoy a good song here and there. I enjoy great vocals. Rachel Zegler is an amazing singer. One of the best that we have. Mm -hmm. um, I was not into at least half the songs. 
Um, I was okay with like two or three. Right. But it was an exce- I thought it was an excessive amount of songs. It was a lot of songs. But I understand it was. I get it's the ballad of Songbirds of Sneaks. And you I have Rachel I get Rachel that all these Zagler. songs are lyrically presented, done already by Suzanne Collins in the book. Right. I get that. You know what else? What other franchise has songs in books? Lord of the Rings. Do I consider Lord of the Rings a musical in the way that I consider Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes a musical? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I think it, it could have, I don't know, there there might have been something to change there, but it was a choice. Yeah. You can make an, it's adaptation, so it was you audacious. can adapt it. I know. It was audacious. I get the characters, a singer, a performer. You don't have to come for me. I get it. Yeah. I own the book. Um, It was... How do I put it? Rachel Zegler, I think she came in with too much baggage for me, for mm. me to completely believe her as this character. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like she has, because we're so in, ingrained in yeah. movie news and like how people present themselves during different promos and functions, I feel like I can't believe her. <laughs> anymore and um it's not that she did a bad job she was good i'm just a little bit mm, about her got it tom Uh, Blythe, excellent viola davis amazing amazing chewing up that scenery chewing up the scenery peter dinklage really great jason schwartzman also chewing up scenery josh andres rivera which is the real life boyfriend at at this time of rachel zegler also Mm. really good Hunter Schaefer, even great. Like yeah. for what we saw of her, great. Um, the story really good. I don't even mind the ending. That's how the book ends. Yeah, that's how the book ends. Which yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that that's how it ends. So anyway, I, think, I I liked it a lot. I thought it was mostly good. What did you think about it? I think overall, like I had fun with the movie. Um, Again, nitpicks is probably the best word to use because I'm not going to say, like, there were bad things. Like, there's no bad, like, sequences or moments. But there were things where I was just like, huh, that's an interesting choice. Or, like, the one thing, not not really a spoiler, but, like, the the accent that Rachel Zegler's putting on. Uh, like, that southern accent. <laughs> southern I was just accent. like, oh, wow, this is uh, this is a choice. And, you know, it kept, like, kind of pulling me out of the movie because I'm, like, looking at her and then that the voice accent. comes out and I'm just like, huh, this is interesting. Um, I didn't think that I would ever uh, want to see a kind of redeeming story of the villain from the main series. Um, this movie does paint that uh, court. Man, I always have a hard time with Corio, that just say Corio. Corio, Corio Snow, um, paints him in a much better light than obviously the original movies, like the first set well, of duh. movies did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I didn't think that we needed that, um, because if if he's such a big bad, you know, I understand showing how he got there, but it was pretty sympathetic in the way that they showed him. Um, but besides that, I also think, and this is something that the books do well, right? You get his internal monologue. Yeah. 
and you see how sort of twisted and toxic he is mm -hmm. where there's a lot of good there's a, a lot of bad as well and in this we don't get of any voiceover or internal monologue no. coming from snow yeah so it makes it kind of tough to interpret so you can only take what's on screen right so all the good deeds and acts that he's doing you know, you got to take them at face value because there's not really much else to. Well, the thing is, I don't think he's also painted as a true sympathetic hero because every right. single decision that he makes can be attributed to two or three different like reasons why he's doing it. He could be because he wants to save someone's life in mm -hmm. a genuine way or he wants power he wants this he wants right. to ingratiate himself with this person or there he's playing the long con here yeah yeah there's selfishness in his acts for sure um i i echo your statement about the uh, the music and songs a lot of them are just like if and they're not bad songs they're not bad but they're not for, bad songs maybe it's the placement of where they're being sung and and stuff like that but i'm just like sitting there and it's like Ugh. I don't know if I need to hear this right now or I don't know if this is the right place for it. Uh, so, And you know what? Maybe it's because I have people in my life who will remain unnamed. <laughs> <laughs> who, <laughs> who sing in public. Yep. I know exactly. And it okay. kills me. I know exactly where you're going with that. That's all I'll say. Um, okay. So I, I enjoy <laughs> the... I enjoyed a lot of the aesthetic of being in earlier Pan Am. So, yeah, it's like a 50s, even Gilded Age 20s combination look. Yes. And seeing how the capital treats its students from that time and going and seeing how like even the televised version of the Hunger Games was. It felt yeah. so primitive compared to what we see in the other movies. Um, the arena look, it's, you know, it's very contained, this version of the Hunger Games versus the others in the, in the, in the rest of the series. Um, what I will say is that Jason Schwartzman's character of like being the host and magnanimous person is, it doesn't really match, uh, Stanley Tucci. Like, come like the way he presents it. So we it. basically have to compare Flickerman against Flickerman. Yeah, it which. <laughs> and you're seeing Stanley Tooch, the Tooch man, the Tooch on man. Top, oh yeah, blows for... Jason Schwartzman out of the water. Yes, for sure. Because but the tuberculosis line that they gave Schwartzman. Oh yeah, no, that was killed me. That was hilarious. Tuberculosis on legs. <laughs> that was really funny. I was like, that is something Miguel would say. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> yes, you are right about that. That that's the thing is that this movie, like, there's a lot of moments where it feels dark. It's out of pocket. Like a lot of it is like out of pocket. Yeah, and then even more so than the original Hunger Games. Like I guess it's it's more cooked, right? The world is more cooked, and you get it's really unnerving and and just disgusting to send the kids and mm -hmm. make them fight to the death and all that stuff and how they place bets and all this stuff it's a fully cooked world here it's like still in between like there's still people voicing concern <laughs> over what they're doing yes and like there's still people that in the capital that don't quite agree tigress is one of those people mm -hmm. that's like you should treat her with dignity and like 
She just wants to know someone cares about her, which is not a concept that you see in the later Hunger Games, right? Mm, Capital people, barring Cinna, are all of one mind. Right, exactly. They're all of one mind, you know, and they and they view everybody in the games as less than. Yeah, yeah. This is the most capital people that we've seen. Oh yeah. Speaking parts. <laughs> yes. Just um when when Snow walks in near the beginning of the movie and you know, the conversation that they're having about you know, how they're going to hold their graduation and you know, the Hunger Games that's coming up and it just it's very elitist mm-hmm. the way they're having their discussions about it. Um but it's it's not all, you know, roses for the Snow family. Are, is this this that's a pun, right? I didn't even mean it, but oh. <laughs> but it did come out as a pun. It's not yeah, so it's not all roses for them because they are living, you know, um, not even paycheck they're to paycheck. Starving. They are starving. You know, they're getting eviction notices and all that. So, but so Snow, Corio Snow, has to put on a front. You know, they're like making the buttons out of his shirt from the marble that's in the walls of their bathroom. You know, um, his shoes fit a little too tight, and everything is like made to try to make him look like he is part of this elites uh one person in particular does point him out and that's dean highbottom which is peter dinklage's character because he knows the snow family he was friends with the father and everything um i like the story the story yes i do like bottom line i like the story and i think tom Blythe did a great job portraying like the slippery character Mm -hmm. who you want to root for who's really hot like you're like how why if if villain why hot you know what i'm saying right <laughs> <laughs> i saw that a lot online if and i was villain, like i, I agree <laughs> oh um have i sent you speaking of speaking i haven't of gone this, through them you yet. haven't okay good because there was two nights in a row that i lost my shit on tiktok and i sent you an obscene amount of hunger games edits and Thirst traps of Tom Flythe. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> There's one video. I don't know if you saw this video where the interviewer was saying, are you ready for the thirst traps that people are going to make about you? And the way that Tom Blythe looks terrified in the video. Oh, he's no. like, he's like, can't even say anything about it. He's just like, I'm basically, no, I'm not ready. But the deer in headlights look where he was... He looked just terrified of the prospect that people would make thirst trap videos of him. I mean, look, if you are hot, like, regardless of your role, you are going to get thirst trapped on TikTok. (laughs) I saw, oh my God, I sent you this one, I think. The thirst trap of Oppenheimer, the movie's Einstein yes oh my god i saw that one that was hilarious the the oh my god the the template where like the pick the you know the the shots come in kind of quickly and everything oh my goodness yeah insane long story short i think we both like the story the backstory Mm -hmm. 
Is it safe to say that? Yeah, the backstory is good. Um, I think that... I want to say that the movie, when I left, I, I had the feeling of, oh, that was a fine movie. Like, mm. I don't... I wasn't, like, too high on it. I wasn't too low on it. Like, I... This kind of feels like as mid of a movie that you can be. Like, good performances. Um, you know, story is good. You, you you enjoy your time. But it's not a movie you're going to think about, you know, a week later. That's how I feel about it. So you, it, you don't think it has staying power? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's kind of... I don't think it's gonna have any staying power like some of the earlier movies um like Wait, what's your favorite early uh hunger hunger game saga movie? i think my favorite one is catching, fire. catching fire yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's catching the best fire. one yeah it's the best one um, bro so did you see that francis lawrence got interviewed not too long ago and they asked him do you regret splitting the mockingjay movie into two parts and I he said this. yeah yes he did he did I'm so glad that the director has, like, the audacity to say that. Like, first off, that he knows it was a mistake to do it. Mm -hmm. And thinking about how he would have done it, you know, he would have treated it like a a long epic almost. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to know that directors don't always have to stand by every decision that they've made. Sometimes they know I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And Francis Lawrence admitted it, and that that's really nice to see. Speaking of that, this movie is two hours and thirty-seven minutes. Thirty-seven minutes. So I was when okay. So <laughs> the, <laughs> what do you want to say? A couple of days say? before I saw the movie, I was with Romero, and we're talking about oh, when are you going to see it and whatever, whatever. And then he goes, yeah, it's just that. With how long the movie is getting, you know, someone to watch, you know, Oliver. And I was like, what do you mean how long it is? Like, because I hadn't looked it up. And then he goes, the movie's two hours and 40 minutes. And I was like, for what? Like, I got (laughs) mad. I got mad. Before This was before I saw the movie. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, why is this movie two hours and 40 minutes? Uh, And then watching the movie, I... Still question, why is this movie two hours and 40 minutes? Because I think that the way the movie is broken up. Into parts. Into parts, which you're not a fan of. When uh, I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's how the book is. That's how the book is. Um, the big thing that I took away was that there's a, to- there's a shift of the story almost when ver- chapter three comes in. The peacekeeper. And I feel like either that part's too long or you could have condensed a little bit both parts one and two, which is the mentor and the and the prize. Like like something felt too long. And I feel like it's that it's that second part. Um just because we're spending a lot of time, it kind of feels like it's spinning its legs or spinning, spinning its, its legs. legs. Good lord. Uh, it's spinning its wheels in in that in that part of the peacekeeper because we know the we know where we're going there. We're we're going, you know, the encounter 
and everything, but it it take it spends too long in that, and then what are going to be the ramifications of it? So pacing issues. Pacing issues. So that's why I think that I feel like the movie didn't really need to be two hours and forty minutes. It could have dropped down. You could have cut out twenty minutes from this movie with no problems. With no problems. Um, yeah. So those are my main concerns. Uh, in the good stuff, I will highlight, again, Viola Davis chewing up scenery like, hey, Viola, we need an actress who can do something eccentric. And she was like, say no more. Uh, they were and- like, Tilda, Tilda Swinton's busy. Do you want to take this? And Viola was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me that paycheck. <laughs> um, so so she did a great job. I loved it. Um, the leads. Uh, Rachel Zegler. They had like, great chemistry. Yes, they did. And Zegler is a star. Like, she has the qualities of a star. Obviously, what she does outside of the movies themselves, uh, <laughs> maybe, you know, have your PR person close by, you know, as often as you can. Um, but other than that, I think that she's going to have a really good career. I can imagine sometime down the road doing some type of musical biopic that gets her you know awards consideration i can see it already um i had no idea about tom blythe and who this was before this movie uh so this is feels to me at least like his coming out party Mm um we'll see what happens to his career i think he was he was good um only because i can't compare it to anything else he's done so like he was, was really good he was good. Like he, really good. there was a, there was a lot of times where the camera is right up on his face, uh-huh. like showing him emote, and uh, he does a really good job of like showing concern. But then there's times where you see him and you can kind of see like the wheels spinning in his head, like of you know being devious or being you know malicious, calculating, calculating. Um. Hunter Schaefer gets the role of, even though he, she's the sister, but basically the she's concerned not the sister, mom. She's the cousin. Oh, cousin, sorry. Uh, basically the concerned mom role because every time, you know, like just comes home, it's like, Snow, are you okay? And like, you know, trying to impart words of wisdom type of thing. Uh, and then Josh Andres Rivera, he's the one that got a bigger role than I thought he would like going into the movie. And um, it was good. It was a good, mm-hmm. it, it was a nice balance to Snow. Because you can almost view those two characters as two sides of the same coin. They both feel like they want to do something that has meaning and is impactful. But what they're okay. doing, depending on, you know, the situation could be either really good or really bad. I think it's self-serving and serving the greater good. Gotcha. Those are my how I read them. Self-serving and serving the greater good. Or versus. Or versus. Versus. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, Someone no. Someone that's very righteous and another that's not. Yeah, that is true. But I, I, I would say that their actions, the way they are portrayed in the movie... From someone, I'm, th- I'm thinking they're quite different. So I'm trying to like follow you as far as like two sides of the same coin. 
other than the fact that they're friends with wildly different goals and mentalities surrounding the Hunger Games and the the government, basically. Um, yeah, I think they're wildly different. Okay, <laughs> you know what? I, I misspoke. Um, no, 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 no. But like, I'm following you. Like, if you want to keep keep trying. No, no, no. Uh, obviously, wrong wrong term to use. <laughs> no, okay, it's it. fine. Wrong term to use. So uh, I feel like you liked it a lot less than I did. Mm-hmm. What would you rate this um, movie? I think in the end, like where I started like halfway through the movie in my head, I was already thinking like, what would I give this movie? And then towards the end, it got bumped up a tad bit. Uh, so I settled on a, I settled on a B minus. Oh, okay. I think I just gave it a B. Yeah, because I was about to say C plus, but you know, I don't think like there's anything that would dock it to get it down to that. So B minus is where. So we're I would really settle. above the critic score. Yeah, I think we're which above the critic score. Which is sixty two, and then the audience score is ninety one. Which ninety anything in the nineties, I think, is an A. Yeah, pretty much, especially so we're the just audiences. Under the audience score. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Fair. pretty much. So. Yeah, so those are the general thoughts. So we'll talk about spoilers for The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, so we're going to go ahead and talk about spoilers for The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Uh, Jessica, where did you want to, or what points did you want to talk about here in spoilers specifically? What surprised you most about this movie? Um, The fact that there were so many songs. I know song (laughs) is in the title, but that surprised me because I haven't read any of the books. So I, I wasn't aware that songs were going to be featured quite heavily the way they were. Mm-hmm. Um, you so, thought Ballad was like the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like an exactly. epic. Like an epic. Exactly. That's what not, I... Not a ballad, like song. Right. Okay. That's that's exactly what I thought. Um, so that was one thing that surprised me. Um, and besides that surprising, I don't know. You know what I will say is that because of the arena where they were, most of the Hunger Games action was kind of um, plain. Uh-huh. Obviously, this is an early iteration, it's so you got to kind of talk about it <laughs> yeah, that way. Done it. Yeah. But like, I wasn't. Nothing was really grabbing me during the action phases of this movie. So, you know, I didn't feel like a threat for our characters. I, you know, so so none of that really, like, grabbed me that much. Now, the one part I will say that I was enjoying the most was seeing Snow in his private moments or his more intimate moments where he's either with his cousin and grandma or mm-hmm. even on his own. Those little tidbits of showing him 
like the the machinations of trying to fake it right i thought were very interesting to me uh so i really enjoyed that part of the story that was something that i really enjoyed um i i think that a lot of the people in pan am especially the students are just generic like um prep school kids it was giving gossip girl yeah so so that part was just like eh, not so, not so great uh on the other side uh zegler definitely you could definitely feel like the emotion and the heart that she has for not only well for everybody else mm-hmm. you know uh she makes it a point of not truly like giving into the whole spectacle of fighting but Mm -hmm. she is resourceful and she does have to do what is necessary at a certain point which is make you know like kill someone uh whether it's it's not physically but it is still done by her um i think i read this somewhere that Zegler said Lucy Gray is a performer forced to fight and Katniss is a fighter forced to perform. That's actually really good. That's a a good spot on description of both of those characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Boy, did I hate. (laughs) (laughs) It felt so force fed um, when they're out in the fields in the third part. And it's very obviously (laughs) the field where. The entire series ends. Right. And Katniss is there with her family and PETA and the kids. Like, it's a little on the nose. But, yeah, obviously, that's... I no doubt in my mind that was the same field. And then uh, the other one, which is, like... It it really felt like uh, in The Dark Knight Rises where it's like, Oh, you should go by your full name. I like it. Robin. You know, like... it. <laughs> It felt so force fed in this part where it's like, oh, these are whatever the plant is. But I like their other name, Katniss. Katniss. And I just rolled my eyes. It literally felt like that. I rolled my eyes too. There was at no point when they mentioned Katniss that was I like, oh, wow, they mentioned Katniss. Oh, they mentioned her. No, no, no. Nah, dude. I was like, ugh. I was like, "Uh, we didn't even need this. But hey, you got to get the audience to be like, hey. Hey, we mentioned her. Right. Or them focusing. At one point, they had a shot of a bow and arrow. Yes. That was another one. Oh, my God. In the arena when he's walking through. Snow's walking through. And I was just like, man, come on. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. Like, that's what I mean by, like, I have nitpicks. Some things were a little cheap. Yes. Those were the cheap things. Those were the cheap things. Things that we didn't need. We didn't need no. you to show us that random gratuitous shot it's of a like, bone so, arrow, like, but <laughs> it's like a dad joke, and then the dad's like winking, like you get it, you get, you get it? it, you see what I did there? Oh my <laughs> god, this uh, kind of lame, kind of lame. I'm um, feeling the YA. I'm feeling the YA. <laughs> yes, that is the YA in this. Um, let me see here. Um, in terms of story, okay. The critics kind of complained about the end. So how do you feel about the end of the movie? Like how it got to its ending? It's a little interesting to say the least because there's a lot that's happening that is 
happening internally for the characters, mm-hmm. I feel. And Lucy Graybeard, or Baird, Baird, was always sort of a traveler type. Yeah. Never could pin her down. And all she wanted from her relationship, like a romantic relationship, was trust. Like if you had not, if you didn't have trust and you had nothing, she said that. Right. And he was like the most untrustworthy person. So when she starts having these reservations and sees the red flags late, mm. um, that was interesting because you think that there's going to be a showdown or a conversation or some sort of like fight that happens between them where it's all brought to a head and that doesn't happen. She just like fucks off. Like she's like, bye. Deuces. And leaves him high and dry. And he's stunned that she left him. That she left him. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That, that was to me kind of, a little annoying not knowing what happened to her. Well, that's the cool part, I think. Got it. Is that you don't know if he shot her and she died in those woods. You don't know if she escaped. You don't know anything. Right. You don't know what exactly happens to her. It, and you get the feeling that Coriolanus also doesn't want to know. Yeah, because he leaves those woods. He leaves and... He's like, okay, writing's on the wall, but also if I killed you, I don't want to know. And if you're alive somewhere doing well, I don't want to know. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like I am out of here because before I get found out that I did something. Right. So he what I found frustrating was that the character so obviously killed his best friend. Mm-hmm. Like when he recorded him using the, the Jabberjay or Mockingjay. Yes. Recording her device i was like oh so he wants him dead yeah he's he's definitely in that moment itself he's definitely looking for his own interest and trying right. to get back to the capital mm-hmm. but then he kills him on the hanging tree and you see him going through his friend's stuff and he breaks down he has this really visceral reaction to the fact that he killed his best friend what he just did and i was like that's an idiot right there because (laughs) it's like i did everything possible to make this happen and i'm still really upset that it happened like fuck off (laughs) you know what i'm saying yes the proper response there is fuck off um yeah because like you don't get to have it both ways right you can't yeah you can't sit there and be like I'm really sad about what happened when you're the cause of what happened. Right. So, yeah, I understand that specifically because I think it's bullshit. And I I don't like when they try to make us sympathize with a character that is initiating all the wrong. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was my big problem. And you get that the friend is super naive. Very naive. Super naive. He's not playing the long con. No. He's showing his cards. He has no poker face. He doesn't know how to play the game. Does no. not know how to play the they, game. And it's a game. This entire it is. thing. I, the, the name of it is Hunger Games. Right. So, <laughs> but Corio knows how to play the game. Yes. He understands that you have to put up facades and you have to, um, you know, get people to trust you. Mm-hmm. Even though you're not trustworthy. But 
doesn't understand And you see that. this kid like just making the wrong decision after wrong decision and you he wants immediate results for something that is really systemic and gaining more ground. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I know what you mean. So <clears throat> So Corio was t- telling him, "Look, you can use your dad's money for good. You can get out of here." And he's best basically telling him how to play the long con. Right. Like do these terrible things now. Compromise your morals now. And then later when you have clout and money, you can affect change. But there is a whole like ethics quandary, moral quandary that's even in that proposal. Yes. Of the long con. The... Because you're not going to be who you were when you started if you're doing all these dirty things. Exactly. Right? You're going to be a totally different person. You're not right. going to want to make gonna those You're going to be changes. a compromised person. Right. That's what I liked about the movie is that it kind of encapsulated that struggle of the rebel in you is not going to be a rebel if you make these compromises and you sort of like um, not compromise and you sell your soul basically yes. to live. And that's that's a very interesting thing to me. Yeah, it it is. That's also part of the original Hunger Games saga, but in this one, it's very concentrated. Yes. And what's sad is you know the ending already. <laughs> yeah. You know that, like, S- Snow is not a good person. He's going to turn out to be the devil. Right. He's going to kill your favorite characters. Yeah. that and- He's going to kill countless more children. Yes. Also, yes. Um... Yeah, that I guess like, that's not a good dude. <laughs> I guess that's the thing about prequels and stuff is that you don't really You're not surprised by the ending. Right. And in this one, I think it achieved a surprise. You think it achieved one? Yeah. Not in snow, but right. in the relationship, right? Yes. This like a really great chemistry couple and you're like oh does lucy gray make it with snow does he like what happens to them as Mm, a couple i see what you're saying that is the surprise we got it the surprise is he almost kills her if he doesn't kill her she like left his ass because he was so problematic exactly he was problematic. He's Indeed. a problematic dude. Indeed. And she laid it all on the, on the, like, laid it all bare mm-hmm. with the songwriting, writing the hanging tree, like, in homage to him, and writing that song that she sang in the pub where he was like, you're pure as snow and stuff like that. Do you remember that song where she was calling him pure as snow? Yes. It is like, girl. 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 (laughs) He's not what you think. No. (laughs) Right. So I liked that push and pull throughout the story. And obviously Snow's struggle, but also the fact that he is condemning a lot of people around him. Condemning them to their deaths. Well, just, you know, to get ahead. Yeah. And what I thought was a little muddy for Snow was 
was he trying to do like a Dickie Greenleaf and take over his best friend's life who had all of the money and power and clout, the big family that he was like looking for a way in back to the Capitol. I don't think it was just necessarily he wanted to go back to the Capitol. I think he wanted to improve himself, his own career trajectory, and also his family. What they don't say in the movie is that Tigress was selling herself just to get by. Just to get by. Right. They don't. That's not something that, that they explicitly say in the movie, but that's in the book. Got it. And he, Snow, this is also like, I wish they kind of had kept it because it's so mo- terrible of him that he thinks less of her for doing that. Mm. And it comes into play later when he starts trafficking the victors. Yeah. And that's how Finnick gets trafficked. Ah, Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, that is makes it sense. Kind of coming together, like yeah, he, it ma- the fact that Tigress did it just to, you know, get get food on the table, right? And he hated and loathed, and you know, thought that it was shameful, and like thought lesser of her, and then does it to other people. Yeah, the victors. that's pretty bad. That is. That's pretty insane. That's why I'm like, look. <laughs> <laughs> look. <laughs> oh as much goodness. as I love those thirst traps. <laughs> right. Uh, we go back to if villain, why hot? Yes. If villain, <laughs> why hot? <laughs> that is hilarious. Anyway, I hope I like gave you a little bit more context there. but No. Total context. It, yes. Understood. It's That's why he kind of has this visceral reaction, I think, when he's like, what are you doing? How are you getting by? When they have that FaceTime call. Mm-hmm. And then he puts a lot of stuff into action. Yeah. Th- that's where you see everything like starts to fire is lit to yeah. get out back to the Capitol. I have to get out. Yeah. So, okay. Which hairstyle did you like more? Long-haired choreo, buzz cut choreo, or growing his hair out choreo? Uh, I think I like it long-haired choreo. Okay, growing that's his, number one. Growing his hair out choreo. Oh, buzz cut okay. Choreo. I, I don't really think the buzz cut fits him, suits him. He needs hair. So I loved the long-haired choreo. Mm. And then he, put, he did the buzz cut, and I was like, you know what? You know what? Oh, <laughs> that got you, giving. didn't it? That got you, didn't it? <laughs> My sister lost her mind. When oh he came out with the buzz cut, she loved the buzz. She loved the buzz. I thought it was pretty good, but she was all over it. Mm. Uh, Did you get buzz- Point Break vibes at the end when he like shoots the gun up into the air and stuff? <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's haunting though because all of the Mocking Jays are singing her song. Yes. All of the Mockingjays. Um, yeah, that's a pretty crazy like moment and scene there when that's happening. It's great. It is. If this was if this was a contender for Oscars, I feel like that might be the scene that they would play for him. That that moment? Yeah. Where he's like screaming and he has got the oh, crazy yeah. eyes and stuff. Yeah. Where he's calling out her name. It's like, where yeah. are you? And look. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's actually not a bad. You know, I would love to take that going forward. Is like, if it was an Oscar nominee, what scene would they take? <laughs> what would they play for Rachel? 
Do you think it would be like it the would snakes be, all over her in the arena mm, and she wins and she's singing and it's stuff? either that one or they'll just go back to the first uh, time that she sung. In she gets district. reaped. Exactly. That one. At the reaping. And she does her little bow. Yeah. Her little curtsy. Uh, that's probably the moment that they would use most likely. Right. Nice. For, for, for Viola, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, for Viola, it's got to be either the moment where she's talking to them like about the snakes and she's talking to Snow after after she's been bitten, the girl's been bitten after that, like that that little sequence there. Uh-huh. Um yeah, I can't I I'm, I can't think of another one. Yeah. That's probably the, the scene that they would use. Yeah. Nice. And I don't think anybody else would get nominated from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say uh, a little complaint that I had is I feel like they left it really late in the game. In the final 5 minutes of the movie, you find out why Peter Dinklage has such a vendetta against Corio. Mm. And you've again, it's if too, you have never read late. the books, then this is I think this is a little too late in the game to reveal, oh, I hate you because basically your father created the Hunger Games and he was a crazy person. Like literally a child killer. Right. He took my like demented idea when I was drunk and actually ran with it. Yeah, and that's just not very good storytelling. Like they just reveal this hey, and then let's wait Corio kills at him. At the very end. Like that's not good at all. Ugh. Things that are left to be desired in the movie. That's that's pretty it's much. It's nitpicky, but I, you know, it bothers me. It bothers me too. You're not okay. alone. <laughs> you are not alone. Okay. So I think. I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's just about it. I think we uh, basically got everything covered there. Uh, so that pretty much has been our review of it. Uh, n- we are taking next week off because it is the holiday. Uh, I know there's a lot of movies to watch, so well, someone said eleven movies premiering in the next week, and I was like, 11? I saw that TikTok. I saw that TikTok. Um, so what we'll do is when we come back, so not next week, the week after, we'll kind of recap each other on what we've watched in that time. Since there's so many movies coming out, I mean, we have Disney's Wish, we have Saltburn, hmm. we have. Uh, movies that are out on Netflix already, like The Killer. There's I already saw The Killer. Okay, perfect. I haven't seen it yet. So it's really good. We'll talk about that next time. But for now, uh, first off, thank you for joining us on this episode. We really appreciate that. Go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and follow us on socials at Always Critic Pod. Go ahead and check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod where you can go ahead and for as little as $2 a month, you can support the show. Other than that, that has been our episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic Podcast. Always the Critic.